It's Wednesday, it's 10 o'clock and it's time for For Pet's Sake with me, Sharon Dale, and my awesome co-host, Jonathan Sinclair. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Sharon. How is it going? No, all going good. Lots of very interesting week in terms of animal rescue and all these events coming up. Great to be back with you today, and we've got some very interesting guests in the studio. Um, we find out more about Boston Terrier Rescue, and we also talk to Linda Linda Parks about mm-hmm. the very controversial subject of canned lion hunting. Yeah, it is straying a bit from pets, but it is an important issue. Well, that's what our show is about. Yes. It's about animals yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, the whole canned lion hunting issue is something that's been very much in the news of late with the rescue of the two little lion cubs, which Linda will tell us more about. No, it's terrible. But two is such a small portion of the lions that, I mean, lions aren't an endangered species. Uh, lions, I think, are in abundance, and I think that's why they're able to do this. You don't sort of find this thing with tigers or... You know, you you do. You do find can hunting with other, you know, endangered species. But I did say a little bit of research, and it was interesting to see that 2,500 dead lions, basically, mm. these are trophies, were taken back to the USA over a space of six years. So if we carry on like this, they are going to become an endangered species. Mm. These are lions, and again, we'll talk to Linda, but again, these are lions bred specifically for petting zoos where you go and cuddle a cute little lion cub, mm. and what happens to them after that? Yeah. This is where they go. It's incredibly sad. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very sad. And in terms of the Boston Terrier Rescue, is it is it just a... a Boston Terriers, is this for all dogs? Well, we were saying last week, for anybody who listened to the show last week, when we spoke to Smirach Delow from mm. Ban Animal Trading, and she was saying, if you want to adopt and you want a pure breed, there are specific breed mm. rescue um, centers all over the country. Yes. Boston Terrier Rescue is one of them. There's Husky Rescue. There's Pug Rescue, who we'll be speaking mm. to in one of the shows. And um, these guys, they take in these doggies. They look for homes for them. They rehabilitate them. Um, and and a, they look for a lot of foster parents to, mm. to take care of them. Um, and, and, and what is the time frame that you would foster a dog for if you were to get involved with fostering dogs? It depends. Mm. It depends. I mean, I know a lot of what we call foster failures. Mm. These are people who have fostered the, the little dog. And just call, or cat and can't let them go. At the end of the day, they keep them. That's the <laughs> so difficult part about that's the it, difficult is it not? Part. I mean, how do you not fall in love with yeah. with a dog? Yeah. You know. No, this is it. But they do such great work, and so we're going to find out more. All right. Well, after the break, we will have Ivy Ann in to talk about the Boston Terrier Rescue. <laughs> Your dog and I think you're neat I like to chew on your antiques I bark like crazy when you come in Then I make love to your shin I'm here through thick and thin I'm your dog I see your keys, let's go, go, go I stick my head out the window I jump up on your friends and dance After I'm done sniffing their pants I'm just into romance your dog. If my nose is wet, I'm a healthy dog. If the carpet's wet, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. I go outside and take a crap. You bring it back in in a plastic sack. What the heck's up with that? I'm your dog. Thanks for the 
the water dish. I enjoy it. That's why I drink out of the toilet. I didn't mind obedience class. But why do you blame me when you pass gas? Things are so crass to us dogs. I'll chase the ball till I'm all worn out. Then I sleep with it in my mouth. Some people think I'm a little obsessive. But you gotta have fun. That's my message. Life is short, you know, when you're done. If a squirrel walks by, I'll wake up the town. If a burglar's breaking in, I'll show him around. Everyone knows I'm man's best friend. Who else can stick his nose in your rear end? Yes, you can depend on your dog. Welcome back to the show. Um, you with For Pet's Sake with Sharon and Jono. First up today, we'd like to welcome Ivy Ann, who is a volunteer for Boston Terrier Rescue in South Africa. Ivy Ann, welcome. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more about Boston Terrier Rescue and what you do? Thank you for having me. Um, Boston Terrier Rescue is an NGO that was formed um, by a lady called Sharon uh, can't remember her surname right now, in Cape Town. Um, we're a group of volunteers who rescue, uh, rehabilitate, and rehome Boston Terriers. Um, some of the time we end up with honorary Boston Terriers mm-hmm. who aren't Bostons, but every dog needs a second chance. Um, we bring them into our house if you're fostering. In the house, you will let them spend time with your dogs, get them used to couches if they haven't, if they've been outside dogs. House train a bit, get them used to sitting for food, and then we find the perfect home. We do home checks, um, and sometimes you've got five or six perfect homes in front of you, and you're going, oh, so you which try one? and yes. figure out which one the dog will fit best with, because there are many perfect homes out there, but not every home suits every dog. Right, right. Absolutely. We were talking about that, that you need to choose the right dog yes. for your lifestyle. But now, do you ever have to take it away from a family? Is it hard? Maybe the family has said, I want this dog. But you saying you're not suitable? Uh, I've never had that, but other people have that mm. I know in animal rescue, where they've had to, where they've done a follow-up check, and the dog's just not fitting in there. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, we give the families that take a dog, that adopt a dog, we give them a lot of support. They can phone us and say this isn't going well, or he started digging in the garden. Why is he doing this, etc., cetera, mm. etc. Cetera. But one of the things I personally do when I do home checks is I take my little. Boston Terrier Beatrix along. She's particularly small for a Boston. And she checks the house. And if I say to her, Beatrix, have fun, she climbs on all their furniture. And I sort of watch them very carefully. That is so clever, hey? (laughs) And if they, because a Boston Terrier is a very, very lively, interesting, interactive dog. He wants to be part of your life. But Mm. I think all dogs want that, but Boston's Mm. push it a little bit harder. But now, how big are Boston Terriers in South Africa? Do Breed standard starts at 6 kilos and ends at 12 kilos. They Mm. fall anywhere in between that. So if you're thinking, I want a 6-kilo Boston, you may go and get yourself a puppy and suddenly it's 12 kilos. Some of them are bigger. The biggest one I've ever fostered was a little boy named Jack and he was 14 kilos. My goodness. And they're a popular breed? At the moment they're becoming incredibly popular. It's a double-edged sword. Uh, If you walk through the shops you'll see t-shirts with Basties on, handbags bags with Basties on, pajamas with Basties on. Disney's just brought out a short movie with a Bastie in it as its uh, hero. And people go it's so cute. And they are cute. They've got the most humanoid eyes. When they look at you feel like you're talking to <laughs> another are, human. They're adorable. But at the same time, they're perpetual two-year-olds. 
They want to be part of a family. When you bring your shopping home, they want to look at what's in there. They want to sleep on your bed. They're, they're the most interactive, fun beings. But at the same time, if you do not have the time, they become destructive because no. they feel mm. left out mm. and they get anxious. Okay. So they, you have to accept that if you're going to have a Boston, they're going to be sleeping in between your legs at night. And for some people, having a dog in the bed is not a big thing. For other people, it is... It, it is something that will not ever happen. Well, I've got four Bosties and two pugs. Uh, two of my Bosties were foster fails. Uh, the two pugs I adopted and two of my Bosties I got from a breeder. Very good breeder who made sure that they were kept to the best standards. Their parents are champions. Uh, not a backyard breeder. That's a complete different story. And my Bosties sleep in my dressing room. Uh, my one Bostie, Beatrix, sleeps in a crate in my room because she chases the others out of the bed in the middle of the night. Um, and my pugs also sleep. Um, one pug sleeps in a crate in my bedroom, and the other one sleeps with the Bosties in my dressing room. So you can train them to do that, but they need to feel like they're close to you. They need a lot of hugs, a lot of care. They do need training um, because they like input. They're very... Um, very, very react reactive. So if you give them a lot of love, they'll push mm. that back. If you give them anger, they'll yeah. push that back. Well, I suppose it's like that with any mm. any dog or any pets, right. not so. Right. Yeah. And and Ivy, and tell me the doggies that you get in coming into Boston Terrier Rescue. What are the circumstances? Where do they come from? Yeah. Is it divorced homes, people who just can't afford to look after them? And where do you find them? Um, are they dogs mm. that are actually on the streets? Um, do you get supplied by the SPCA? Uh, SPCA don't supply. We work with them. They keep the dogs there. We network as much as we can. And if we've got pre-approved homes, we'll let them know, listen, there's mm. a dog here. I've, I've been to the SPCA to bath Bosties that are there and to uh, do temperament checks on them and just see mm. whether they don't mind me putting my hand over their face, yes. etc. Yes. So you can get a feeling as to whether they belong in a home with a child mm. or not. And then I send people there. I let them know that that dog's there. The other Boston Terriers, some of them are dogs that were strays and go to a vet and no one collects them. So they then contact us and we start networking and find them a home. A lot of dogs at the moment, all breeds, uh, are struggling under the recession, really. People do not have money and they cannot afford them. their dog anymore. I've had people phone me to surrender their dogs and they are heartbroken. Yeah, I'm but sure they just don't thing. have mm. any other options. Mm, mm. So there, there's the kind of people who abandon their dogs, but then there's also the kind of people who we say surrender them to us. Mm. Yes. And also what we do is we go through your gum trees, your junk mails, your OLXs, and if they're dogs that are there to a free home, we contact the people, let them know how dangerous free to a good home is because you don't know it's yeah. a good home. Exactly. Ask them if we can network, do home checks, and rehome that dog. Now, Avian, we were talking last week about dog fighting, and I can imagine that as a small breed, uh, Boston Terriers are targeted as bait. So if you were to advertise a Boston Terrier in, say, the junk mail, someone's going to pick that Boston Terrier up in no time. Mm. Because it's the, the ideal dog for something like that. Exactly. They're small. They're small enough for the pit bull to kill. So it's being mm. trained to do what it's supposed to do or whichever dog. I mean, all the big bull breeds get used for that. Mm. And that's not their purpose. They're actually the most loving, loving, sweet creatures. The other thing is a Boston Terrier was originally bred back in the 1800s as a fighting breed. So if a Boston Terrier gets angry, it'll keep going. Right. You cannot. So well, it's a Terrier. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. No, for sure. And then what do you do? You you get somebody bringing in a, a dog looking for a new home. You go and market that. You've got a website, Facebook page. We network. We network uh, on a massive scale. We try our absolute 
um, best to network and get the biggest footprint. Um, there are a couple of Facebook pages, Boston Terrier Rescue Network South Africa. I have one that I run called Beantown South Africa. There's a Twitter feed at Beantown South Africa. And if anyone wants to email me, if they'd like to adopt a Boston Terrier, if they'd like to get involved in animal rescue, I can send them in the right directions. My email's BeantownSA, B-E-A, T-O-W-N-S-A at gmail.com. Now, is there any specification? Do all these dogs, have they been spayed and neutered, inoculated? We make sure that they're inoculated. We make sure that they're sterilized. We mm. will not rehome an unsterilized dog. Yeah, um, so I good. feel very so strongly against yeah. um, using a dog to breed with that has not been temperament tested, has not had its hip mm. dysplasia checked, etc., etc., luxating patellas. So we do that. We microchip Mm. And we rehome them. Mm. Um, and then also what a lot of people don't know is most dogs that are with private shelters or private animal rescues are able to be transported around the country. We make plans for that. We've got a big network that does home checks in other city centers, etc. Mm. And therefore dogs, I mean, I just had three foster puppies, one who went home the day I collected them, one who went to Cape Town on the Sunday after I collected Wonderful. them. He flew down no. to Cape Town. He was a teeny little 12-week-old puppy oh. on a plane to Cape Town. So but no, some of the airlines mm. do help you but know that, to get the dogs flown that's the thing but like you say the puppies got adopted on the first day you brought Always. them home mm. that's the thing it's the older dogs exactly puppies there's nobody who can say no to a puppy exactly but now i actually know you, before the show you were speaking to us about another dog that is very close to your heart and who you've been looking for adoption for a long time can you tell us a bit okay more? uh three months ago a family contacted me about a dog that they wanted to surrender he is a pug cross daffy he's relatively small he's about 14 kilos he's mm. brindle he has an underbite which is as cute as it can come <laughs> um i have got him in a foster home in pretoria with a uh, mom and her eight-year-old son who takes him for walks. Uh, mm. He's very well behaved. He's great on lead. The main reason I feel like I've had no bites, he's been tweeted across South Africa by mm. Gareth Cliff, everybody else. But I think people don't want crossbreeds. I don't know why, because they've got the most awesome personalities. awesome personalities. Yeah. And he's eight years old. Mm. And, I mean, he's got at least another eight Years left to live. Yeah, because he is—he's not a big dog, and they do small mm. dogs do tend to live longer. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, you were actually telling us a funny story about how he is such a good dog. He didn't take the Nando. Was it the Nando's there was na- chicken? There's half a Nando's chicken on the table, and he chose not to take it overnight. He is—he's an absolute angel. He really yeah. is, and. We've had very little interest in him because he's a crossbreed. If he was a Boston Terrier, I'm sure I'd have 15 applications on my yes. desk and I'd be sitting there going, oh, this one, oh, no, this sounds like a great home. That's yeah. a great home. Oh. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a problem. And I think a lot of the dogs in the SPCAs that eventually get put down due mm. to space or, or kennel stress issues are crossbreeds yeah. and are older dogs. Yeah. And the one thing I can say to people is I know puppies are great. I had three of them in my house. Yeah. But an older dog, a dog between like over two years old, easiest dog to train. I had a two-year-old Boston Terrier that was with me for three months, and he was completely house-trained within a week. Mm. So that, that saying of can't teach an old dog new tricks That's is actually – a load of bull. Uh, my one rescue that I adopted, Missy, she's my old lady. I got her when she was 18 months old. She's now 11. At age eight, finished uh, elementary obedience with mm. 90%. She beat everyone in her class. 
No, this is fantastic. I think you're doing such good work. But wonderful yeah. work, really wonderful. So this little, this little guy, what is his name? Monty. Monty. Um, and he's, you, like, people can contact me at Beantown Essay or Beantown Essay at gmail.com. If they want and to we'll, give him a new um, name. Perhaps we could just tweet out that pic. I can maybe speak to some people and maybe we could tweet something out and hope for the best. I would really appreciate yeah. that and I'm sure Monty would too. Now, obviously, he has been uh, neutered. He is a male. He's neutered. Yeah. We're going to have him inoculated again mm-hmm. now and I will have him microchip before he heads off no that's fantastic wonderful Wonderful. but just before we let you go i want to find out what inspires you to do this and how do you survive where do you get your your income from who who helps you out to do all this good work? okay i'm a tv director so Mm. i get my own income um but boston terrier rescue south africa uh, has an ngo and a bank account people put money in there so a lot of those costs are taken Mm -hmm. care of um, when we bring dogs into the house, it's sometimes sad when your foster goes, but seeing that they have a whole new life and the people staying in touch with me is mm. great. Um, also for me as a TV director, TV is, it's a very superficial art. Everything's yes. about what you look like. Mm-hmm. And I find that animal rescue and being involved with Boston Terrier Rescue gives me a sense of balance because mm-hmm. it's something that you're doing. That's not all about you and right. not all about what stuff right. looks like. But how, how did you get so attached to the Boston breed? Uh, my Boston Terrier Gretsch, um, he's got, he's a champion bloodline dog. He's absolutely beautiful. I got him because I saw another friend's Boston Terrier's eyes. I had no clue what so I was, was getting. So the eyes that was the selling <laughs> the, eyes, the eyes, the eyes, the eyes. <laughs> and when he was eight months old, he was the best behaved puppy I've ever come across. At eight months old, he got separation anxiety. And oh. every time I was out, he would destroy stuff. He did two couches and an ottoman in one week. Mm. And, not bad, not bad. And I started noticing other Boston Terriers. And I was thinking, if Gretch ever ended up in an SPCA, mm. because he's not that friendly with strangers, no one would, he would no. probably be the first guy in the line when it's time to make space. Yeah. And that's why I got involved in it. And they're just an awesome breed. They really are. And the other thing that I really enjoy about Animal Rescue is all the friends I've made, all mm. the people I've gotten to know. I've gotten to know people that I wouldn't normally come in contact with. Mm. I think uh, you were speaking about him chewing up the ottoman and things and i think people don't realize that when your dog is doing that much like your child they're trying to tell you something they're trying to tell you they're bored they're unstimulated they're possibly not getting enough exercise and i once found with one of my dogs if the more i took him for a walk the less holes would be in the garden the less scratching he would do on the doors and dogs need attention every day they need to know that you love them and i find especially with small dogs they will get so attached to one person and that's why other people will find your small dog unfriendly. But yes. to you, the owner of that dog, that dog is it's your very life. Attached and to you. yeah. It becomes very attached to you. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, especially the terrier breeds. Yes. They, they do need activity. They yes. do need exercise. Mm. Um, Caesar Milan always says exercise, discipline, affection. Mm-hmm. That's what they need. You can't just lock a dog in an apartment all day mm. and come home at night and expect it to have slept in a corner all day. No, for it sure. Needs stimulation. No, it for sure. Does. And uh, some people also, if their dog is at home all day alone, they'll think, oh, the solution is to just buy another dog to have company (laughs) with and now you are just doubling the problem because the attention they get from each other is not the same as the attention they Mm. get from their owner who is who is their world you know they're also pack animals so they're looking to be part of a family they want to do they don't want to be outside with that it's also one of the rules i personally have when rehoming dogs they have to be inside dogs Mm. because if you want to 
garden ornament, go to your nearest yeah. nursery and get, uh, get a ceramic. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, uh, if we were talking about dog poisoning. I mean, mm. that is rife right now. Mm. And and I believe, I mean, my dogs come in at night. They, they stay mm. in through the night. I let them out in the morning. That is where they are the best security for me. I was just going to say are, that, Sharon. Some people me. think they're safer leaving their dogs no, outside. Not at all. I think you yourself are safer leaving your dogs leaving inside your dogs with inside. you. Correct. Yeah. That's that's because it's sure. so quick to poison them, and it's actually mm. a terrible thing because. Uh, a lot of the time they don't eat enough of the poison and then they suffer the whole yes. night and you wake up in the morning yeah, and, and you'll be totally oblivious it's, to what's it's going horrible, on. Yeah. Totally. And then tell me just, um, Avian, your success rate in getting people stepping up to adopt these dogs, is it, is it quite good? It's relatively good. I mean, we've got quite a few on the Boston Terrier Rescue Network South Africa Facebook page at the moment, but we tend to find really good homes. Uh, I don't, I cannot think of, I think we've had one home which we've taken a dog from in all the time and literally easily 150 dogs rehomed. Mm. And what are you looking for in the home check? Uh, we're looking for people who are understanding, yes. for people who have dedication. Because if you're going to make friends with a dog and you're going to get him to understand that he can trust you, you need to be able to give him the time or her the time. Uh, we're looking for a home where there's potential either for exercise yes. or a garden where someone was willing to play ball with them. And we're looking for a home where someone's got time for the dog. Mm. If you're working from 5 a.m. in the morning and you're only mm. getting home at 9 at night, it's, it's really not, not fair work. on the yeah. dog. No, it's not. Yeah, it's important to remember that you don't only want to get the dog for your own well-being. You also have to do it for the dog's well-being. You know what I'm saying? Just, you can't just have it there so that when you come home, there's someone and it's there. And it's a commitment yeah. to that dog's entire life. Exactly. And, you know, I think also financial, financially, mm. you've got to be able to afford the correct yes. food, veterinary care. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's costly to, mm. to get your dog to a veterinarian these days. Yeah. You've got to have the money to take care of a dog properly. And one more thing, just before we end off, I've always heard people say they don't want to adopt a new dog because you always have to say goodbye at some point. Mm. The, the reality is they don't live the lifespan of a human. No, so the reality is, is at some point you're going to have to say goodbye to that dog. And I find people get so attached they don't want to say goodbye again. Yes. But I think it's important to remember the life that that dog gave you, you know, those 14, 15 years, whatever it was. Mm. You know, and like the and joy that's… making a difference in you know, that one dog's life. Absolutely. No, Absolutely. for sure. Well, Ivy Ann, thank you so much thank for joining much. us. And just before we let you go, please just remind us where we can get hold of okay, you. On Facebook, Boston Terrier Rescue Network South Africa. On Twitter, at Beantown SA. That's B-E-A-N-T-O-W-N-S-A. And my email address, BeantownSA at gmail.com. Um, if anybody wants to foster, wants to get involved, there are so many things you can do that make a difference, mm. even if it's tra- uh, Donating, offering lifts, uh, mm. going to a shelter and spending time with a dog. If you don't have yeah. the space for a dog in your house, but you'd like the company of dogs, there are amazing yeah. shelters out there where you can go. And those sheltered dogs, dogs yeah. need attention. They do. Yeah. Go and mm. bath them, take them for a walk, exactly. something like give them a bit of love. No, thank you need. so much. And uh, when we come back, we are talking about the uh, terrible, terrible topic of canned lion hunting. Right, absolutely. All right, we'll be right back. On the planet, and thinking step 
sail to the sun There's more to be seen Than can ever be seen More to do Than can ever be done Some say I'll be eaten Some say Live and let live But all I agree Is to join the stampede You should never take more than you give In the circle of life
cliffcentral.com. Welcome back. And now we're moving on to a rather, we were saying during the break, rather an upsetting topic. Um, today we've got Linda Parks in the studio. She's the Gauteng Director for Campaign Against, An- uh, ca- sorry, Campaign Against Canned Hunting. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> um, this is the only NGO that focuses on the canned lion hunting issue in, in South Africa. Um, for more than 10 years, the founders, Chris Mercer and Bev Purvin, have been trying to raise awareness, have traveled around South Africa and the UK spreading the mm. word. Welcome, Linda. We've got yes. so many questions for you. Thanks very um, much for having me. It's only a pleasure. Now, let's just kick off by telling us what exactly is canned lion hunting. Um, canned lion hunting, to put it in a, in, a, in a nutshell, is a hunt that's in the can. That's what it means. It's You are right. assured of a kill. Um, it's a bit like shooting fish in a barrel. Mm, mm. Mm. Um, the lion is, he's been habituated towards humans. Um, often before a canned hunt, he will not have been fed for about a week, so oh, he's very no. hungry. Is he is um, tranquilized to move him to where the hunt is going to take place. Normally then put under a tree somewhere with his piece of meat as the first piece of food that he's seen in, in ages. He's mm. dopey because he's still tranquilized. Mm. Along comes the bucky with the hunters. Mm. He sees a bucky as here comes food. Food, because mm-hmm. he's a- accustomed to humans. He is. And, you know, in these places, it's normally the buckies go along and they toss food over the fence. Mm-hmm. So, he doesn't move because no. food is coming. Right. And he's shot Right there, mm. um, you know that is just so. So, so that is that is, is your so can. It, it is in the can. You are assured of a kill. Yeah, and see, and these hunters get their kicks out of that yeah. to go out there and shoot an animal who's drugged and lying in one place. Where the glory can be in that? No, uh, well, I, I don't yes, understand I have no it, idea. Is it for the trophy? Is it, do they then take the lion and perhaps mount its head on something, or what happens? It is. It is for the trophy. Um, the very interesting thing um, that that we found that none of the they have these wonderful award books in the in the states um, where the size of the head, the size mm. of the horn, whatever mm. you know these these record books, and they will not recognise um, a, a line basically from South Africa because they reckon all the lines here are okay. canned hunts. Okay. So what they do is they will often move these lines just over the border into Mozambique or or wherever, yes. mm. and and Shoot then they say, there. well, it was a wild line. Yes. But then isn't the problem? The people who are allowed to hand out those awards. You, you know what I mean? There is a huge problem there. Um, and unfortunately it's money and, mm. um, a lot of those people are in, in, in high power positions in, mm. in America. Yeah. We've, we have been trying, um, in this past week actually to get, um, lines taken from vulnerable onto the endangered list, mm. which is where they should be. Mm-hmm. And the Dallas Safari Club in particular have been fighting against it. And mm. the U.S. government have said now that they will not Move the lions. They will not recognize lions as oh, endangered. So that's what it would mean. If you got lions declared endangered, you would not be allowed to move a lion across the border. Is that's that right. what, is yeah. that the reasoning yes. behind yes. why you want that? Yeah. Now in the wild, in say South Africa, Africa, is there a problem with lions in the wild? Are they endangered? Lions in the wild, um, are endangered. If you look at how the numbers have, have 
reduced in in 20 years by probably somewhere in the region of 85%. Mm. Um, they are in, to me, critical state. Um, you know, we, we go on about the rhinos as we should. I mean, the rhinos are also a passion of mine, but there are far more rhinos in the wild than there are lions. Is that so? We, that is fascinating. We only have... About two and a half thousand wild lions left in South Africa now. That is, I can't oh. believe that statistics. Why then is the big hoo-ha about the rhinos and not about the lion? Because the rhinos, I think, um, you know, it's it's happened so quickly, mm-hmm. um, and the rhino poaching, which incidentally is tied in with with the canned hunting, yes. the lions and the rhinos, it yes. all goes hand in hand. It's the same syndicates that are operating it. But the rhinos have become kind of like the, the poster boys, for want of a better word. Mm. And people are very focused on that. And the lions have fallen by the wayside. But if you think two and a half thousand lions left in the wild, but there's over 8,000 lions sitting in captivity waiting mm. to die. Mm. And the spin around that is that, oh, well, those 8,000 will then support conservation yes, and they yes. will they cannot be released into the wild. Yeah. They've been habituated towards humans. Mm. They won't survive. From, they from will blind pitching precisely and, and, and they're genetically unstable as well yes. because of the inbreeding, inbreeding. that goes on. Yeah. So those eight thousand are of no benefit to to the wild whatsoever. Do you perhaps know this sorry Sharon um I interrupted you. I just want to ask, you say there's 2,500 lions left in the wild. Mm. What is the number of rhinos? Do you perhaps know that? Um, I haven't got the latest census figure, but but um, they're in the like 11, 12, something like that thousand in South Africa. Um, There's obviously, there's there's the the black rhinos... um, there's far fewer. Obviously, mm. they've yes. always been less, but but there are more white rhinos, um, and and we're all worried about the rhinos as we should be because no, the poaching sure. figures are but just we going also through need the roof. To worry about the lions. But we need to recognise that the lions are far worse off. Mm. Maybe the problem mm. is though is that it's far easier to breed lions than it is to breed rhinos because I would imagine a lion gives birth to several cubs, whereas a a rhino would only give birth to one and would have a much longer gestation period. Well, it is normally um, rhinos have have one calf. Um, lions have three, four cubs at a time. Mm. Um, but you know, people will say, "Well, lions breed easier; they they have more cubs." Um, the mortality rate on lion cubs mm, in the wild is, is very, very high. Yeah. So your your rhino calves, where we're losing calves now of the rhinos, is due to poaching more than anything no. else. Mm. Absolutely. And Linda, I was doing a little bit of research because uh, we knew you were coming on the show. And I saw that these hunters are mainly from Europe and from the USA. And as I was saying previously, 2,500 deadline trophies have been taken back to the USA in six years. Two and a half thousand. Mm-hmm. That is just shocking. I mean, what are the stat- uh, statistics? Is it local hunters or is it more international people coming over here paying top dollar to kill one of our lions? Um, it's, it's mainly Europe and the States. So you, um, you, um, are- Sorry, but I'll call it redneck territory in yes, the States because yes. that's, that's often where they come from. Um, the, the local hunters, there's not hunting 
by local hunters that goes on here. Mm. You'll have what they call a professional hunter who will accompany the hunt. Okay. And these guys are the ones often who are involved with the, the rhino poaching and the pseudo hunts and, and whatever and are making big money out of it. But by and large, here you don't get people who want to go and kill a lion and put a, yes. put a, so a it's head on the international. wall. It's, it's international. And they're paying a lot of money. Yes. And who oh. gets this money, Linda? It goes to, you know, that you'll be told that all this is going all back into conservation, mm. but, um, but it doesn't. Um, I think the last figure that I saw, it's something like 0.003% that goes back into conservation. So the canned line hunters who are paying to go on a can hunt believe their money is going into conservation. They, they may believe or they convince themselves that it is. So they, they justify to themselves that they're giving towards yes. conservation yes. by shooting a lion. But if you think that all these hunts happen on private land, mm. oh, um, right. so, and you, we've seen, um, with, with the, with the rhino poaching where these syndicates are getting paid in cash, in piles of cash. They also get paid into offshore bank accounts. Mm. It's the same guys with the canned hunting, the lion bone yes. trade. It's all linked. Lion bone so trade. That's something How else. much yes. of that money is actually going to SARS or back into the country to support conservation? There isn't. It, it's no. not happening. I suppose the same with um, the rhino. It comes to education. But now, what is the myth behind lions? Because with the rhino, they believe that the rhino horn has certain um, medic- medical capabilities. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it's just keratin. What is the myth behind lion hunting? Um, well, lion hunting, I mean, you we start with the head, which is the trophy. So you want to put that up on your wall and say, look, what a, so it's what a, a what status a thing. It's a status yes. thing. Um, uh, you know, you go into some of these houses and you'll see all these animal heads on the wall. To me, there's nothing worse no, than looking at horrible. You know, it's, it's, Even if it is horrific. just a buck yes, or something. It's, horrific. it's it very really sad yes. that that thing used to have a life and a family and exactly. now it's looking at you. And doesn't lion bone also have some kind of... Well, lion bone, countries? yes. What, what, the, what has happened is, you know, in the East, um, they've been using tiger bone for, for many, many years and... Um, They've just about wiped all the tigers what, out. What do they use that for? Is it? It's mm. pretty much the same as rhino horn. They say it it, it cures fever, it cures this, it, erectile you know, dysfunction, all sorts of things. Um, the the, diff, the there's very little difference between um, tigers and and lions genetically. So they've decided. Well, they can use lions now. So this um. has been the huge spin-off that we. So they sell it as tiger bone, but it's actually lion bone. Yes. So okay. so it, it this it's fraud, yeah. because the the bones now these breeders here have discovered. Well, it now not only do they have the head that goes as the trophy, but they can use the rest the, of the, the body, rest of as, the body well. as well. And um, it gets sold. Overseas, it goes to the east. It gets made into what they call tiger bone cake or tiger bone wine, oh, and it gets sold terrible. as tiger bone. Mm. It's not sold as lion it's bone. Lion it's bone. sold as tiger bone. Is there any place in the world that sees lions as part of food, uh, as part of their food chain, um, who eats lions? Um, you know, I, I ha- haven't really heard mm. much um, of, of that at all. Um, I think lions more a li- more 
pretty much like your rhino. It's a status thing. Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. And now, Linda, tell me, is it actually illegal right now? And and how does uh, uh, like the NSPCA? How do they get involved? Is it is it legal to hunt lions or not right it, now? Our canned hunting is perfectly legal in this country. It is legal. The lion bone trade is perfectly legal. That is why. Why is that so? Because the government is not getting tax from it, are they? The government are not getting tax. They can't be getting tax. Um, I think it's 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 the connection with the east and how you don't want to upset trading partners mm. and whatever. Mm. So 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 you know this is not stopped, which it should be. Um, we've been supplying lion bones to Sasevang Trading, who um, are on the Interpol most wanted list. They're involved with Good all heavens. sorts of animal trafficking. Yes. Um, they were involved with Chem Long Nam Tong Tao with the, um. Gosh, I'm amazed yes. you got that name right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well done. Oh, I, well. I wouldn't want to try that. <laughs> but we still continue to supply lion burns but to is them. The government is, are they aware of what canned lion hunting is actually doing? They're very well aware and they don't see a problem with it. They also don't see a problem with the lions not being on the endangered. Even though there's only 2,500 in the wild. And where do these lines come from? Are these from, I know, um, a lot of people are talking about they're coming from petting zoos. They're coming from, come and have a photo taken with a little lion cub. How cute is that? These are where these guys are coming from. Well, that's the beginning of, of what I call the cycle. Are they being specifically bred? They are. They are. Um, and obviously you've got to, to wait until they grow. Mm. Big enough manes uh, to be hunted. I was going to ask you: Is it only the males that are that they want? The the females will be used for for breeding. Th- uh, breeding. Mm. Um, so obviously, you're not going to keep all the females, um, and you would use them also for the the lion bone trade. I mean, there are um, quite a few of the breeders who actually just grow their lions and and kill them off themselves. And because they're making so much money out of line, money out of a dead line and a live line. What what does happen often is that um, when cubs are born, um, they will remove the females from the the female cubs. Um, They either get put to one side to starve to death, or they get hit on the head with a hammer. Oh Oh my god! Because they say it costs too much to To feed them and raise them to keep them going. So the male. Cubs will then go into the whole petting cycle because yes. you can make a lot of money out of that. Mm. And, and then they select from there to go on to walking with lions. We also have another horrendous industry that sprung up to make money is using lion cubs for weddings. For weddings? For weddings. How it's do now they become a very. Incorporate a lion cub into a wedding. Well, your lion cub will, will have a little thing on its back and carry the wedding ring oh. or it'll be used for photo opportunities. So it's another money exploitation. making exploitation. Um, while you're waiting for these cubs to get big enough so that they can so actually So they're making be money their whole life cycle, yes. basically, only to be shot in the Yes, end. and then they make a lot of money at that point when, when they're shot. So what can people do? How yeah. can we help? Is there uh, an organization people can join or, or support in any way, petitions to sign? What can our listeners um, do? What, what I would suggest people do is go onto our website, which is www.canedlion.com. We do regular newsletters, um, all the petitions, all the details of what we're doing, how you can get involved are on there. Sign up for a, for a, for a newsletter, um, and get involved that way. I'd also ask 
if you have friends that say, oh, you know, we're going to go and pet cubs or something, say to them, well, you know what, that's actually mm. not a good idea. Let me show you this website. Let me explain yes. to you why Where it's not a good cubs, idea. These cute little yes. cubs are going to go yes. when they're too big to be petted. But if we were to rescue all these lions that are being bred for this, where would we put where would them? They, go? they can't go in the wild. Mm. They can't go to the zoo. What do we do? Well, the reality is that if we were to stop all of this today, you've got 8,000 lions that there is nowhere for them to go because they cannot go into the wild. Um, and there is very little space in we, – we've got probably four proper sanctuaries for, mm. for cats in this country. It's not who enough. Are it's not full. enough. So they would – Go into the hunting market. I mean, that's, that's for sure, you know. And then people say, well, then how can you stop it? Because what's going to happen to those 8,000? I look at it and say, rather those 8,000 who are going to die anyway, mm. then we keep on perpetuating yeah. this thing because Correct. those 8,000 are growing exponentially year upon year upon year. If you think when, when the Cook Report came out in 1999, I think it was, um, when can hunting really was exposed uh, and should have been stopped then and it wasn't, there were about 1,200 lions in captivity. Here we are at the state where we've got 8,000 plus. It's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm, yes. Somewhere we have to say it's enough. Enough. And then I suppose like with backyard breeders of dogs and, and cats, um, that's got to stop. Yes. You've got to stop it at yes. its source. Um, and uh, I mean, on a happier note, I mean, you guys did do amazing things last week with a rescue of two little cubs from Spain, was it? That's right. Um, I, I discovered a, a picture of, um, these cubs in Spain who were being, um, exploited for photographic opportunities. Um, I passed that on to, um, our two people in Spain who have done a lot of work with the marches for campaign against mm. can hunting there. And they tracked these cubs down and they were actually taken away by um, the Soprona in Spain because this woman said that she had bought them from a traveling circus, a French mm. traveling circus, but couldn't prove that. And she actually didn't have permits or papers for them anyway. These two little cubs who are about three months old, two little boys, um, had metabolic bone disease oh. because she had been feeding them on watered-down milk mm. to keep them small for longer so she could make money out oh. of them longer. For people to for take people pictures. To take pictures. So they, um, they were taken to a rehabilitation facility where they've been having veterinary treatment around the clock. They had, their legs were like rubber. They had to have their legs strapped to, um, you know, so try to so strengthen them. The littlest one, um, has cataracts in both eyes from all the flash, from photography. The flash photography. The vets in Spain reckon that in about six months time, the legs should be okay and we're hoping that the cataracts And are they in South gone. Africa now? They arrived on Friday. Oh, wonderful. Um, it was, it's amazing for me. These two little cubs have, I think they're a beacon of light for all lives in captivity because they've opened so many people's hearts. Mm. So many people came forward and donated. It got a lot of exposure in the media. It got a huge amount of exposure. And and people now realizing this is the reality of what happens Mm. to these cubs in this situation. These two are a prime example. Um, And they've now gone to Kevin Richardson, who's well-known as the The Lion Lion Whisperer. Whisperer. 
um, and they will live out the rest of their lives there. Mm. Um, and they'll the, eat meat like they're mm, supposed to, yes. eh? not watered yes. down milk. Yes. Oh, no, that mm. that is a that is a very it's a sad story, but it, it turned out well. But yes. I think for the majority, for two. it for doesn't. Two of them it turned out well. Yeah. There's so many more out there. I want to talk about: Do they actually suffer? Let, now, let's say they go on their hunt. Obviously, they don't want to shoot them in the face because that's the trophy. Mm-hmm. So where do they actually aim when they shoot? And does the lion die instantly? It doesn't die instantly, unfortunately. We have videos which are horrendous to watch. They actually mm, kill imagine? me of, yeah. of canned hunts. Often these hunters have no idea what they're doing. Um, they also do bow hunting in certain provinces. And the line, I mean, the one video we've got, this line was shot about 17 times. Oh. Uh, it was, so it's it not was, a quick... It's not. Um, it's not at all. The bow hunting is is even worse because these lines ble- bleed out. Um, oh. So it, it's not a quick kill by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it, it's, 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 no, it's really horrible. And it's again, cruel. I don't know how any... Human. And it's mainly men, I would yes. say. Yes, Sorry, yes. but it's sure. no. yes. yeah. I cannot understand how someone can get kicks out of killing an 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 animal. I think it comes um, to. Just, I think in certain cultures, if you can prove that you've been on a hunt, that you better, that, that you have more power of a stronger over animals. Man. Correct. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, a real man like Evan Richardson, who I don't know if you've seen Johnny's programs, mm. the bond he has with these lions, wow. um, mm-hmm. especially the one Thor. I mean, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Now, in my opinion. That is a real man. Yeah. Not a guy who's going to go and shoot a lion, mm. you know, is half asleep, drugged under the under a tree. But uh, it starts at society at large. I mean, if people are brought up to think that hunting is, mm. you're going to grow up and you're going to do that and you're going to pass that so. on. Like it has to start somewhere with educating people. And you're right, what you're saying. Mm. I mean, I've seen people who train the well, take their little children, yeah. age of four, yeah. and they're proud. They put it on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, first yeah. kill. If you want to prove to your dad that you're a man, you have to bring home a bigger Absolutely. head than you brought home. They teach them to go and kill these animals. It's almost like a rite of passage, and yeah. it is. Um, it's very prevalent in this country yes, as well, it is, you know. Um, just about as soon as these kids can walk, mm. they're given mm. a gun a and they have to go out and kill something. And kill something. This is a topic I think we could go on we and on about, on but unfortunately we are out of time. But thank you so much for coming. Like you really have educated us. I feel like I know a lot more about it. I, I feel a bit disheartened by it. Mm. I won't lie. I, I, I thought I would come away feeling inspired, but I, I feel like there's nothing I can do. No. Do you know what I mean? But never, never say there's nothing you can do because even one person can make a difference. Mm. By having this program today, mm. you've made we a are difference. Educating. I hope because so. you are Hopefully. educating. Hopefully. Okay, well, Sharon, we do have to wrap up, but uh, we will be back next week. The time went so quick. You're just looking at the clock. I had a few more things to talk about. I know. We are going to cut into rookies and rock stars. Yeah, we'll be in trouble. But thank you, ladies. (laughs) It was a great show, and I hope that we can can at least start the process we of we making a difference. We definitely will. I, I think we are making a difference. We're educating yeah, people and we're creating awareness. And we'll see you next week again, 11, uh, 10 o'clock on 10 Wednesday. O'clock. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs>